Hi, Rob. Hi, Jamie. So for people who don't know you, Rob, you are Director of uh, Research and Development at Evidence-Based Education, and we are colleagues. And today I'm going to ask you a few questions about a report you've been working on, which will mm -hmm. be out in June, hopefully. And that report is titled The Great Teaching Toolkit, a review of the relevant evidence. And I will describe that as a summary of the elements of teaching practice that have been found to be related to how well students learn. Is that a fair description? That's a very good description, yes. Oh, excellent. Okay, it's a good start. So I'm going to dive in and ask you uh, the first question of, of three that I have planned anyway. Um, sure. So tell us about the report. Is it essentially a follow-up to what makes great teaching, which is a report that you were the lead author on in 2014? Yeah, well, yes, yes and no. It basically is. Certainly it started out as that. That was the intention to update. It's five years old. Um, there's lots of new work being done and, and I suppose thinking has changed in various ways. So yeah, we thought, okay, let's give that a refresh. As we started to work on it, I think we realized that we wanted to do something just just a little bit different so the focus moved more away from trying to capture the the qualities of great teaching more onto how can teachers learn to be better at these things which is it's not a completely different question but it's just a slightly different emphasis um, and also then thinking about the bigger project of of trying to create uh, feedback tools for teachers so that they can see how well they're doing, they can see how they're improving and they can have a clear focus for their professional learning. So this is the starting point for something um, much bigger, uh, a project that is fairly ambitious and has several stages to it. Yeah, yeah. So that I think that's the really exciting thing because the first bit, which is the review of the literature, is um, you know it sets out a, a framework for what the elements of great teaching are um, but you know there are lots of these already there there are many frameworks out there most countries or jurisdictions have them lots of researchers have created them um, and in a way that was part of the reason wanting to do this that there are so many and you might think well if the problem is that there are so many how is the solution to create another one but i think the idea was that we would that this would give a kind of uh, overview of the consensus. So when you read the, all the different frameworks, I think what you struck by is that they're actually pretty similar. They have similar mm. things in them. And so it's not a, it, you know, it doesn't feel like these are all very different and contradictory. It feels like, well, they're all pretty much telling the same story. So just bringing that into a simple digestible consensus view, that felt like one of the reasons for doing this. Yeah. But really, um, the, the interesting question is then how teachers can use this to help improve their practice. <clears throat> you know, what do we know about professional learning? What do we, um, how do we help that happen? And I suppose the key insight really is that, like any other kind of learning, you need good uh, formative assessment. Uh, you know, just as when you're a teacher, you want your students to have uh, feedback about how well they're doing and feedback that's actionable and helpful and, and gives them clear insight into what it is they need to learn, the learning success criteria and how close to those they are and what things they can do to get even closer. So exactly the same principles apply to teachers' professional learning. They need to have that same kind of 
formative assessment. So that's, I think, really the insight. And also the fact that when you're a teacher, getting good feedback about how well you're doing is really difficult. You get feedback, but it's generally not good. So, or, or it's limited about certain aspects of teaching, like, like classroom management, you get plenty of good feedback about that. You can see whether you're succeeding or not. But in terms of the, the really hard stuff, if you like, like, you know, what's going on in students' heads, are they actually learning stuff? It, the feedback you get from that is very delayed. You know, you don't really, you can't really tell whether they've learned until quite a while after. So it's quite hard to learn to be better at something that isn't giving you real-time uh, trustworthy feedback. So that's partly what we're trying to do here is to help to fill that gap with the feedback flow so that teachers can see, try things out, see if they're working, get more immediate, more trustworthy insight, and then uh, effectively learn themselves. People can learn quite complex tasks if they're motivated and they have good feedback. Yeah, okay. And so um, when you talked about the, the frameworks earlier in your response there, the yeah. kinds of frameworks that you're referring to are things that people might have heard of, so things like Rosenshine's uh, principles, for example, yeah. or even the early career framework in the UK, those kinds of things. Yes, that's right. So uh, both of those are, are definitely ones we've looked at and, uh, you know, they're both good, actually, quite different so uh, in, a, in a way, so Rosenshine, I think what people like about it is just how simple it is. You know, it's 10 things. They, they seem really immediate, common sensey things. In fact, that's a strength, but it's also a weakness because I think most teachers or a lot of teachers, when they hear that, they think, yeah, we do that. Um, and if you listen to like Tom Sherrington talk about that, he says, well, no, it isn't just common sense, actually. There's quite a lot more to it than that. And he's right. And um, so unpacking what do those things mean is quite hard. The early career framework in England is a bit kind of the opposite end of that. It's very detailed. It's got a lot mm. of stuff in. So one of the challenges, I think, is, well, where do I start then? You know, because there's, uh, I don't know, more than 100 specific comments, uh, you know, criteria in the early career framework. Uh, so where do we begin? We can't do all of them which ones are the most important and what does it actually mean to get better at any individual one. Um, but I think pretty much everything that's in those will also be, you know, they're supported by evidence and we've said, yeah, those, those are part of what, what great teachers do and probably things that great teachers, if they learn to be better at, will be even greater teachers. So they be in there um, to some extent you know we're limited by the evidence we've got which is mostly correlational mostly um kind of looks at uh, averages so uh, we tend to find relatively weak relationships small effects between these specific things you can observe and how much students learn so it's quite hard to know which are the really powerful ones so with these other frameworks that you've looked at and you looked at many more than the ones we've just mentioned yeah. Is it like an aggregation? Are you talking about sort of a, a meta-analysis of, of all these frameworks? Yeah, so, um, so we haven't had the time and the resource to do a, a proper systematic review, and I'm not sure that we could have done that anyway, but that, we definitely haven't done that. Mm. So I think, you know, it's possible that um, by doing something more systematic, we might have ended up with a, with a bit more evidence to consider. But basically, yeah, we, we started out by looking at the frameworks we know. So things like the Danielson framework, the class framework, those are both widely used in the US. Um, 
then uh, some of there are other research based. I'm a big fan of the dynamic model from Kremers and Kiriakides, which is, I think, from a research point of view, one of the strongest, but almost no teacher has ever heard of it. You know, I do ask quite often if I'm giving a talk, who's heard of Rosenshine's principles? And, and now most hands go up. Who's heard of um, the dynamic model of Kremers and Kiriakides? Pretty rare to see any hands go up for that. Um, and yet it's, it's a really powerful framework. It's supported by a lot of really good evidence. And, and most interestingly, it's been used to support improvement um, projects. So professional learning around the framework where they've shown that if you target teachers learning at where they are in relation to this framework, their improvements are actually quite a bit bigger than if you just give them a generic uh, professional yeah. learning CPD. So um, this report then, um, what can teachers expect from it when, when they read it in, in June? How will they engage with it? How might it be, be helpful? What's in there? Okay, well, uh, so I hope what they'll get is a really kind of simple and digestible and concise summary of what this rather complex and, and large body of evidence says about what things matter. Because I think, uh, so another problem that I guess we're trying to solve is that there's just too many too much information out there, too many competing claims about what are the key things you need to do. So this gives a, I hope, a, a simple and accessible overview of, yeah, these are the things that matter in a form that's not too long, it's digestible, it's written for a practitioner audience and so on. Uh, but it, you know, it is uh, grounded in, in sound research, it's not um, a kind of light version. So, um, that should give them a, a clarity about, if you like, a kind of theory of teaching. So these, you know, if you understand how is it that things teachers do make a difference to what students learn, then you're in a better position to make good choices about what things you focus on and try to do and try to get better at, I think. Yeah, and so this is, as you've said already, the, the starting point, step one in, in several steps to um, helping teachers in terms of their professional development, very much long-term professional development. What, what are the yep. things that you would really want to focus on um, that best support students learning? How might you get better at those? What does good look like? And then tools that come later for feedback yep. for development in those areas. Is that right? Yeah, right. So the, the kind of the next phase then is to start trying to think about how can we capture some of these things so we can feed back in useful terms to teachers so they can see uh, a part of the, the value of measurement isn't just to kind of give people a score it's to really help to clarify what the thing is so yeah. I'm a great believer in the idea that if you can't if you haven't defined a process for measuring something you haven't really defined what it is yet you know, in a way there's um, there's a famous quote from Lord Kelvin about you know, until you've got this, until you can measure something, you haven't really got a full understanding of it. And I think that's basically right. So uh, by creating a measure, then that, that helps people to know exactly what it is and whether or not you're doing it or not. And as I say, that's one of the pro problems I think people have with Rosenshine. They think, yeah, we're doing that. Yeah. And so measure might help to say, well, yeah, you are doing it, but here's what doing it really even better would look like because yeah. to get up to the score, if you like, on the measure, those are the kinds of things you have to do. But I think also uh, kind of knowing where you stand, um, 
uh, and and crucially being able to see progress so if you if you spend time working on something like let's say questioning or uh, preventing disruptive incidents or something like that so those are the kind of things that you know, good teachers do you might think well that's something I want to work on either because it's something you're not very good at or maybe it's because it's something you are good at you know or you, you think yeah. you're reasonably good at that you want to be even better at so you spend time systematically trying to improve that thing and then you want to see well have I improved or not so uh, that's part of the value I think and another way in which that may be useful, I think, is that it helps you to see who else is really good at this thing. You know, so one of the things I think we're, we're definitely trying to build in here is the idea of, of um, networks and collaboration and, and peer support. So if you're a teacher in the school and, and one of your colleagues is really good at some aspect of, of pedagogy, then sometimes wouldn't necessarily know that. I mean, it, you might think, well, it's obvious we know who's good at each thing, but actually I, I don't think it is that obvious. I don't think it's easy to tell, but if we're creating metrics like this, then people can actually see, oh yeah, you know, uh, my colleague who, you know, teaches year five um, is really good at this. So I'll go and watch some of her lessons and maybe I can learn something from that and get her to come and watch me, maybe to coach me again, instructional mm -hmm. coaching models. Think are very powerful can be if they're done well but part of it is that the coach needs to really know what they're talking about so helping to identify great coaches helping to create networks that connect people up so that they can share practice and advice and resources and uh, we can start to learn what kinds of uh, resources or training have actually helped people so again if we can measure these things we can say people will say right well i signed up for this online training or I went on this course and uh, that's really helped me and we'll be able to see whether it, in fact it has helped them because we'll have the good data and if it has then that's a message we can then promote and say look yeah. people who've done this course have seemed to have really progressed quickly. Okay uh, so I mean when when we talk about um, or use the words measurement and um, there might be some nervousness um, around yeah. that but essentially all that you're trying to do here um, throughout the whole project is to do what teachers do for learners to help understand where they're at um, yeah. what their goal is and what yeah. steps they need to take towards those goals and to give them yeah. feedback and to understand progress okay yeah so people do get anxious about measurement and rightly so because uh, there's a level of feeling judged here and you know if you're a teacher this is your professional identity the idea that you know you want to be a great teacher the last thing you want is someone coming along telling you well, actually you're not as great as you thought so that that requires a certain braveness i think but i think um as with any learning there you do have to take that risk a little bit and i think also people are a bit scarred by sometimes lesson observation and things like that have been used certainly in the us there's a quite a strong uh, history of teachers being evaluated and that mm. you know Generally, that's not a good thing I think hasn't led to benefits and certainly hasn't felt good and uh, accountability pressures and that kind of thing and so people are naturally a bit cautious about the idea of, of measurement but and yet in other walks of life you know if you play a sport or if you're an athlete or something like that you measure yourself every single day you know if, if you're a high jumper or something you don't jump and not measure what height you're doing you want to know what height and you want to know if you're improving or if you play um, computer games or something like that, you know, you're on level nine, you want to get to level 10. So 
the idea of being measured, I don't think is inherently off-putting to people. So one of the, the um, really important principles of this is that it's a confidential information. A teacher can sign up if they want to ha have this to help them to learn to be better. And any information they get back from it comes to them. It doesn't go to anyone else. If they want to share it with other people, great. You know, that, yeah. but that's their choice. So, it, and, and if they do want to share it, our advice would be that they do that with a clear agreement about what it can and can't be used for and things like performance management and, or any kind of um, capability process should definitely be off limits. You know, they should say right at the beginning, uh, let's be really clear, we've got an agreement, this will not be used for these purposes. It's purely to help me to learn to be better. And doing that collaboratively is, is likely to be more effective. So you want people to share it, but they've got to do that in an environment of trust. Yeah, and we're going to need um, thousands of people to, to be part of this. This is very much a community endeavour, isn't it? And it is. uh, just to reiterate, it's very much for um, formative diagnostic purposes. And what you described there is the whole project, um, stage one, coming out in June, is the report. So um, let's wrap it up there and people can find out more about it and via our website and our Twitter page and look out for it around mid-June. Yeah. Okay, thanks Rob. Thank you, no, it's exciting times. <laughs> <laughs>